Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're so thankful that each one of you could come out and celebrate Mother's Day weekend with us. And we're just delighted to just celebrate all of the moms. And hopefully some of you are getting to spend the time with your mom this uh, evening or afternoon, whatever time you're watching. And I just want to encourage you to just honor her. Let her know God is for her. Let her know that you love her. And let's take the time to honor our moms in a big, big way. If you're quarantined uh, wherever you're at in the world and can't get to your mom, uh, make sure you call her. Make sure you let her know how thankful you are for her this Mother's Day. And we just want to celebrate you moms especially. And always for Mother's Day, you know, I have just one of my favorite uh, people in the world. Well, I say one of my favorite. My favorite person in the world share every single Mother's Day. And I tell you what, I can't think of a better mom the light of my life. She makes my liver quiver. I love her with my all my heart, kidney, every vital organ. I, I, this woman is absolutely the definition of perfection for me and the best mom that I know. And so can you help me welcome today, wherever you're at watching, the spectacular Miss Pepe Sims to the platform here at Word of Life Church. I tell you what, you give me the best greetings. Hey, I do what I can. Love you. <laughs> hey, happy Mother's Day, mamas. I tell you what, if this season has not proved how incredible you really are, then you're missing out. Because I know my own journey. I was a mom before this. But in the last two months, I have become mom. I have become teacher. I have become hair cutter. You know, some of us cut abrupt bangs and do a really bad job. I won't take that up as my um, second career path. But us moms, we've really dug deep. And I have had the best time talking and seeing all you moms and seeing you post the funny memes about what it's like to be a mom in this day and age. And I tell you, more than anything, you are a graced superhero because somehow you are keeping up with everything you used to do. And on top of that, you've become everything else your family's needed. So I just want to say hats off to you. I am proud to be in your company. And I just believe this weekend, your family is going to love and appreciate you like never before. And I'm going to tell on myself, I'm really good at that when I get to take the stage. But have you fallen victim of the quarantine look? You know, the look where your hair is on top of your head, you wear no makeup whatsoever, and you're stuck in pajamas every single day? Well, the first three weeks, man, that was me. I'm, I'm going to own it. That was me. My kids saw me look this way, bless my husband's heart. He had to look at me this way too. And so week after week, I found myself like this. And this one particular day, I was like, enough. I have got to start acting like a normal human being somewhat. 
So today, I'm going to surprise my family and go in my room and get dressed for the day. I had not done that in weeks. And so I went back to my bathroom. Everyone was eating breakfast in the kitchen. I went to the bathroom. I put makeup on my face. Hallelujah. I let my hair down. You know, the messy bun is a cute look when you're not trying, but when you're trying to make it look cute, it's never cute. So I let my hair down and, you know, straightened it up a bit, made it look decent. And I went from pajamas to athleisure wear, you know, like some yoga pants and t-shirt, not because I was doing yoga, but because they're comfortable pants. And so I got dressed for the day and I'm going to walk out and, you know, surprise my kids with a decent looking mama. So I walked in the kitchen and they're all busy eating breakfast. And so I'm shocked. They haven't said anything yet. Don't they notice? And so I went to my daughter who surely she would know. She's 13 and she's into makeup and all that stuff. So I said, Reese, do I look better today? And she was like, I mean, why? And I said, well, sis, I did my hair and my makeup. Don't I look so much better? And she was like, I mean, I guess. And I thought she was going to be so much more impressed with me in that moment. But in that moment, I realized our kids are not near as impressed with what things look like, how we make our lives seem. Our kids are far more impressed with what goes on in the home, with how we make them feel. So this morning, if you want to know the message title, it is simply Building Our Homes. Several weeks ago, before quarantine started, and the only people I ever saw were my children and my husband, we were going out house shopping. And not because we want to buy a house, but because it's something all of us love to do. So my sister is a realtor in town, and we went to this neighborhood that we have loved forever. And we noticed a lot of homes were on the market. So we, you know, said, hey, will you go show us these homes? You know, we don't plan on buying right now, but you know, you never know with us because that's how we got in the home we're in now. We just decided to go look at homes and ended up buying it that night. And so she said, sure, it'll be fun. You know, I haven't seen y'all in a while, so it'll be fun to get out with y'all. And so we went to this neighborhood and we shopped so many different houses and All of them were about the same price range, and all of them were fine. They were decent. But there came to be this last house that my husband and I had always admired for years. And it was like, I bet that house is just incredible inside. And my sister said, well, actually, we're going to go see that house. It's on the market. So we pull up to that house. Oh my goodness, I was so excited. Now, I do want to justify and say, we only go in vacant homes, so we're not getting people's hopes up. And so this home was vacant. No one lives in it. There's no furniture in it. And we go in the house, and, you know, it, it, we're just touring. We're looking around. We're like, man, this house is so nice. It's crazy that this house is in the same price bracket as all these other houses we've been seeing but it has so much more room. It has so many more nice finishes. Like what in the world? And you know the saying, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Well, this house fell under that category. And so 
we had fun just looking at the home and, you know, shopping, looking at the bathrooms, deciding who was going to get what room, what kid got the best room, you know, all those things, even though we're just having fun. And my son, my youngest son said, Mama, look, here's a staircase. And it was on the outside of the home. None of us had seen yet. So we all went down this little secret staircase, as he called it, and we stepped into this one room. And it was in that moment we realized why this home was the price it was. We saw all these cracks in the walls. We saw where they had tried caulking it and painting it to try to cover up the issues it had. The issue this home was faced with was foundation issues. And that is a big part of building a home, is if you don't have a strong foundation, you're going to get some cracks in it, no matter how beautiful the home is. You know, we find in Matthew 7, the Lord talks about this. We're going to go on the screens. And I'm reading from Amplified, of course, because I'm a woman. <laughs> so it says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had, not, it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid, foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great and complete was the fall of it. You see, in our families, when we're trying to build a family on a faulty foundation, the cracks are going to come. You know, you and I have been surprised by, I cannot believe that person. You know, they're not married anymore. Well, it's because we saw something so beautiful and perfect, but maybe their foundation was not built on the rock. You know, in building this facility years ago, I had never been a part of a building project. I didn't know what that looked like. And so we were super excited about the day that we started construction. And so I gave it a few days so that they could get some walls up and things. You know, construction started on Monday. I'm going to wait till Thursday so I can see, like, progress. You know, we, we like to see the walls. We don't like to see the foundation as women. And so I said, honey, will you take me to the property? And he was like, sure. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm so excited. So he brought me out here, and when he, we pulled up on campus, I was like, it looks like a lot of big men just got big Tonka trucks and just like made a big mess with all this dirt. Like they haven't done anything. They've just been playing around here. And he said, no, honey, like this is part of the process. You know, we found that before we could build, we checked the soil and realized that we had bad dirt. And so what we have to do is we have to go in and dig the bad dirt out and then pay to bring in good dirt so that when we pour our foundation, it'll be good dirt that won't sink. And it hit me. 
in families, in us personally, we all have some bad dirt in us. It doesn't matter what home you grew up in, what state you grew up in, we all have some bad dirt in us. And that can look multiple different ways, but maybe it's a bad behavior that we know we need to get out because we don't want to build our family on that bad behavior. Maybe it's anger issues we have. We need to dig out that bad dirt before we start pouring the foundation to build our life upon. And so I encourage you, look at what that dirt might be for you. Because what I love about our Heavenly Father is just because you had that bad dirt in you doesn't mean that's who you have to become. Who you were in the past is not who you have to be today. He is ready to help you dig out those things. Dig out those words that people said you were. Dig out those memories that have held you back from reaching towards a better life and building a better family than you knew. God wants to fill you with good dirt. And what that looks like is his word. He wants to replace that bad dirt with good dirt. And then the thing I love about our Heavenly Father is He does not have one blueprint for you and I to choose to build on. You know, we've gotten our foundation laid. We've gotten that dirt, that bad dirt dug up and replaced with good dirt. But then comes the really fun part. We get to decide what we want our families to look like. See, God gives us guidelines of what family looks like, but he never said, you can't laugh or you have to laugh, or you have to be serious around the dinner table, or you have to make jokes around the dinner table. God never said one was right and one was wrong. And I realized when Joel and I got married, we came into marriage with two totally different backgrounds. See, for instance, if you went to his house on a holiday, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, it's going to be a nice table set. You're going to eat on china. Everyone's going to have a certain spot to sit in. And it's going to be wonderful. You're going to tell each other how much you love each other, what you're most thankful for. It is a good life. But then he married me. And I have to tell y'all, I'm the most normal of any of my siblings. See, when you show up at my family reunion, it's crazy. It is fun and it's hysterical and you have dogs running around and kids running around. It's a good time, but it is totally different than Joel's past. And so when Joel and I got married, we realized we get a chance to build the family that we desire. And so we pulled both of our great backgrounds and we created us. And God loves for you to be creative. He is such a creative God, so you can build the family you want. Don't look at my family and say, oh, we don't do that, or, you know, they play games, we got to play games. No, there might not be a game-loving person in your family. You don't have to become what anyone else is. Just create the family that you love, and God will be honored with that. But one thing I have found out is that the strongest families I know are, ha have some common threads built throughout them, some common pillars. 
in the word in Proverbs 24, and I believe, yes, they're going on the screens. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I love that scripture because what it says is there is wisdom to be found in God's word. That we're going to dig in God's word and find out standards he has for you and I. But not just that, there are going to be people around us that have wisdom. They can pour into us to help us maybe avoid some pitfalls that they had or, you know, avoid some bad family situations that they have. And so it is our privilege to get to draw on the wisdom and knowledge of God, but it's also a privilege and honor that we get to learn from our parents. We get to learn from those families that we admire most. And so as I began thinking about these families and reading what God's best for us is, I came up with two common pillars that I wanna share with you this weekend. The first, number one, is love is a language fluently spoken. And I love this point because 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, the great love chapter, tells us we could gain everything. We could have the business that's thriving. We could have the kids that are excellent at football or excellent at cheerleading. We could have everything the world deems is important. But if we do not have love, we have nothing. Gary Chapman made a brilliant book. If you've never read it, I strongly encourage you to do so. If you've never heard of it, you've been living under a rock, <laughs> just Googled Gary Chapman, and I guarantee this book will pop up, The Five Love Languages. I believe this has helped so many couples and so many families. And so as I'm reading them, I realize, I think it's important that we know our spouse and our children's individual love language. But I think it's important that we're speaking all of these love languages continually in our home, where our home is never void of any type of love. But one thing I've seen, a language of love that I've seen that the homes that are void without, the kids struggle to found validation. And that language is words of affirmation. I see that the words we speak over our kids, whether they're good or bad, it marks them for life. I wanna share a very personal story with you. Uh, about, well, years ago, before I got married, I had gone to college. And what my parents deal with us was, is you can live at home, but you have to attend college. This is after we graduate high school. You either live at home and go to college, or you get booted out and you get a full-time job and you start supporting yourself. So I chose the option with less pressure, I thought. 
and that was go to college. And why that was easy for me is because I had a free ride. I could live at home with my parents. I didn't have that financial pressure to keep my life afloat. So, of course, I was homeschooled, and I came into college without any friends. So I just wanted to make friends. I didn't want to do anything outside of that, but how many of you know when you're busy making friends, you're not busy studying books in the library at night? (laughs) So I chose friends every single time. We weren't doing anything bad, but we weren't studying, for sure. And so my dad started seeing my grades were slipping. So he came to me and he had this talk because I believe this is another important key is that you need to teach your kids to be the very best version of themselves. And my dad said, you decided to go to college, and so you are going to give it your best. So he started making these boundaries for me. You know, you need to study at least this much time and making all these boundaries. And after doing this for a few months, I came home, and he wrote me a letter that changed everything for me. I don't keep anything, but I kept this letter, and it is so precious. I want to read it to you. He said, Peppy, I was just thinking about how many changes are taking place in you right now. Your mother and I are so impressed with your assertive willingness to focus on the new priorities we identified at the beginning of this semester. Not only have you worked hard at making changes, You've demonstrated the patience necessary for lasting fruitfulness. Obviously, a great grace is working in your life right now. And I am so blessed to be positioned where I can see the transformation of your character. And it's not like you're changing from a horrible troublemaker, thank goodness, of a kid. No, it's more like a beautiful butterfly unfolding her wings so her glory can be seen. It's wonderful, and I'm fortunate to have you as a daughter. The Apostle Paul once wrote, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I think I understand what he means. Having reconciled yourself to the will of God, you're ready for the big next step. So pay attention and let me know what it is, okay? My love always, Dad. That let me know I was loved, he was proud of me, and that I could do whatever I set my mind to. But that's not just all the story. This was written on March 11, 2005. On March 31, 2005, I met the man of my dreams 20 days after he wrote me this letter. I met the man of my dreams. We now have three children. We're pastoring a church where we just get to teach people of God's love, that we get to share on subjects like family and marriage. And that is our passion and our call. So dad, things are going great. I'm so thankful that I had a parent that was willing to hold me to a higher standard and speak in love so that it let me know when the right moment comes along, I'll be ready for it. 
And I'm so thankful for this letter. I'm so thankful for the words that were spoken because parents, the words we speak over our children mark them for life. So I encourage you, choose to speak words of love and encouragement to them. And this morning, this weekend, I just want to close with my last pillar. And that is that praying parents are powerful. Mark Batterson has written one of my absolute favorite books. And if you've never gotten Praying Circles Over Your Children, you have to get it immediately. It is incredible. And so I reread it all the time. It's a really easy to book, book to read during your devotional time. And so I was reading this book this time, and there was a part that just stood out to me. You know, it's funny how you can read the same things over and over, and every time something else stands out to you. And so what I saw this time was that prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. I don't know about you, but I have realized raising kids in this day and age, we need some weapons to fight the world with. And I'm not talking physical weapons, I'm talking spiritual weapons. Prayer is our greatest honor as parents. Prayer steers the paths of our children. Prayer changes the course of our children. And as I was just reading this particular scripture, it came off huge in me. And so I want to do a cliff note version of one of my favorite Bible stories that's found in Nehemiah. I'm going to skip over a lot of this story. So I encourage you, go and read the story of Nehemiah. It is incredible. But Nehemiah saw that the walls of Jerusalem had crumbled, that they had just dilapidated and were in no good working order. And what this meant for the city of Jerusalem is that the enemy could get into the city and wreak havoc on the people that lived there, that there are no walls to keep out the bad guys from the guys who actually lived there. And in my mind, when I first thought about this story, I thought like a chain link fence, you know, <laughs> like there's a chain link fence to keep the bad guys out of the city that they're not supposed to be going into. But no, this wall was huge. I mean, huge. So Nehemiah saw this problem. He's like, I've got to do something about it. So he got God's approval to, and he got help along the way to go rebuild this wall so that the enemy could no longer come in Jerusalem and take advantage of them. And so Nehemiah decided in his heart that he was going to do this thing no matter what it took. Well, just as you and I can make big plans and decide we're going to do something that no one else has done before, people are probably going to mock us. If you just say you're going to have a healthy marriage and great relationships with your kids and people are like, what are you even talking about? You had like the worst home life ever. Well, just think about the story of Nehemiah. Here this man has been given this opportunity to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 
So day after day, Nehemiah is rebuilding these walls and he, he, it, the scripture even says that his heart was in it, therefore he was glad. Parents, put your heart in parenting and I promise your joy will be made full. So day after day, Nehemiah keeps building this wall. And as we all know, the more consistent you are with something, the more progress you'll make. So day after day, he keeps rebuilding this wall. The enemy was mocking him at first until he saw, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Nehemiah might actually do what he said he was going to do. He might actually rebuild these walls and put the gates up where we can no longer come in whenever we please. Nehemiah's like, heck yeah, I am. <laughs> That's my version anyway. And so Nehemiah keeps doing this, and God was with Nehemiah. But what we see throughout this story is that the enemy kept coming to Nehemiah, trying to convince him to stop the work he was doing and come meet with them so they could figure out a solution to the problem in front of them. Nehemiah knew in his heart, no, it's, it's not for me to meet with y'all. I'm going to keep doing the thing I'm called to do. I'm going to stay steady to the assignment on my life. And so Nehemiah keeps doing this. And one day the enemy came, and there were, there were rumors that the enemy was just going to bombard these people and make them stop doing the assignment their heart was set on. So Nehemiah gathered up the troops and he said, guys, I'm going to need you to build the wall with this hand. Whether that's through a hammer or whatever they used back in those days, you build the wall with this hand and you hold a weapon in this hand. Well, as parents, we are born to multitask. And this morning, before we close out, I want to bring two of my favorite people in the world on stage to join me. In light of Mother's Day, I want my two oldest. They always love helping me on Mother's Day. And no matter how old they are, they better always love doing this. <laughs> but how I saw it is as parents, we have been given an assignment of our children that this world needs us to do a good job with them because these kids are called to change the world. But this weekend, my kids are going to pretend to be the enemy. I'm really sorry, but y'all can do it, okay? <laughs> so how I saw this in the story of Nehemiah is here, the enemy has come. Y'all can fight me right now. The enemy has come right here. And we're trying to build this family you know, we're like busy building this family, like doing the very best job we know to do. And we're so busy building this wall called our family. But the enemy is coming to send attacks. And he's coming to tell you, you are not good enough to train these kids to be all they're called to be. Who are you? He's going to come and try to bring fear in our life. The enemy is going to come and lie to us about who our kids are going to be, what they're not going to amount to. He's going to send evil reports our way. And we're just going to have to keep fighting in prayer. And we're going to keep this sword fighting in prayer, but we're going to keep building our family on the Word of God. And how many of you know 
that one day we're going to look up. The enemy's still going to be there, but you know what? We did all God had called us to do. And we have built the family that God gave us, and he is well with us. So uh, don't hit me anymore. (laughs) But how I saw that is the enemy is going to come at you, and he is going to want to fight you. But we are going to have to do what Nehemiah said. And this is my favorite line in the whole book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah said, he, I am doing a great work right now and I cannot come down. You see, we are building our family right now. And devil, we cannot come down and meddle in the lies that you are trying to come against us. You see, we have these children to raise. These are our assignments as parents. And so I encourage you, you pick up your sword of prayer and you become a powerful parent. You become a prayer that wards off the attacks of the enemy that he had destined for your families. Because friends, I am telling you, there is nothing greater. There is nothing more powerful than a parent who will not lie down and believes the lies of the enemy, but fights back in prayer and proves the devil wrong every single time. And I want to ask my kids to join me. We are going to close out this weekend in prayer. We want to pray over your families and just see God do something excellent in your life. So Father, I just thank you right now that you are aware of every single family that's watching. That Father, I thank you that your creation was family that you desire us to have strong families that, not j- that don't break apart. But Father, our foundation is built on you. I thank you that our children are pillars in their world, that they're not followers, but they're the leaders in their schools. They're the leaders in their jobs. And I thank you, Father, your hand is strong upon these families. I thank you that we will not toil, but we will seek wisdom. We will not hear the lies of the enemy, but we will pray until we see deliverance. Father, thank you so much that every mom feels so loved and so appreciated. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Word of Life, it is so good to be with you this weekend. We love you so much. We believe God has yet to show you your best life. Your best days are ahead. We love you. We'll see you soon.